They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Hello and welcome to the Juan Juan Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, consider signing up for the Patreon. There you get ad-free content, early access, exclusive episodes, and monthly supporter hangouts. You can find it at patreon.com slash the Juan on Juan podcast. If you don't like the subscription-based models, there are other ways of supporting the show that are linked in the description. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Juan on Juan podcast with your host, Juan Ayala. And Saturn, Saturn is the planet of concrete 3D physical reality. It's about boundaries and is moving into a sign that has no boundaries. So when you say Project Bluebeam and what is even real, <laughs> that is something that we're going to be talking about and thinking about for the next two and a half to three years as Saturn is in Pisces. What the fuck is real, right? We're going to have to develop really good boundaries with ourselves, with our psychic space and with our just our psychic abilities in general and our emotions. It's going to be a very interesting time for sure. <laughs> the biggest lessons of Saturn, let me just finish that thought, is well, how do you be more responsible for this area of life and how this will affect everybody will be different on an individual level, right? Everybody has an area of their life that is governed by Pisces and by Saturn. I'm your host as always, Juan, and make sure to follow me on social media at the one on podcast, the one on podcast.com for the occultist Monday, the comic book, patreon.com slash the one on podcast, all that good stuff. Rock fan, you know, you know where to go. The links are in the description. And today, finally, I have a local celebrity. <laughs> She's been avoiding me for like 13 months, 12 I'm months. I'm giving him the dodge. And here we are finally with Kaylee. What's up, Kaylee? Hey, Juan. I'm I'm glad to be here finally. It's it's about time. It's about time. It's long overdue, but you know what? I feel like I needed that like time in the background to gestate a little bit. <laughs> now I'm ready to be birthed as the homunculus on your new on your show. Yes. 
the homunculus that you've always been and the homunculus that you need to be. And for those that don't know about you, Kaylee, can you tell them where to find you? You've done, you did my first reading because I do think astrology is fake and gay, but we're going to be talking about that today. And mm-hmm. where can people find your work? Yeah, so my name's Kaylee. I go by Kaylee Bricana. You can find me on YouTube. Um, I do have a couple social media things. Telegram is probably the easiest and uh, the the thing that I update the most, but it's just at Kaylee Bricana. Um, Kaylee, for those that are not um, watching and just listening, is spelled K-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H, and the Bricana is B-E-R-K-A-N-A. <clears throat> Um, but yeah, so I am an astrologer and a tarot reader. Um, I actually got my start with divination reading um, Elder Futhark runes. So I started with that. And um, yeah, I read natal charts. And I, I actually <laughs> have been nerding out quite a bit over um, worldwide events and uh, the potential astrology that is affecting and influencing those things. That's been fun to study. Um, but yeah, every Monday I do a live tarot and astrology stream. I call it Moonday Tarot. So I'll be going live um, a couple hours after we're done here to do that. And um, I've also been doing this podcast with the homie Romy. You may know homie Romy. He's been on your show a few times. Uh, <laughs> we call it Moon Mysteries. And uh, that's that's been a fun one. We're talking to all all different types of people that... Um, either have their own theory or have written a book or have some kind of insight into one of the mysteries of the moon, whether it's one of the conspiracies surrounding the moon, whether it's the, a mythological take on it, or whether it's just um, an astrological take on it, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> we're talking to all, all different kinds of people and looking at the, myth- the mythology around this uh, fascinating orb that's in the sky. So that's a little bit about and me right now. That's awesome. Yeah. And we're, today we're going to be hopefully, oh, I haven't opened it yet. It's still sealed. Ooh, the yes. Revised art. This is the revised Manly P. Hall and Augustus Knapp deck. One of my favorites, which I did print my own version of this because I'm just a fanboy like that. And what ended up happening was it was sort of an experience because I needed to Photoshop every single image and AI enhance it because it had all the original deck came out in 1929. So this is a copyright 1929 by J. Augustus Knapp. And they reprinted it once in 2012 and then again in 2022 because I bought this at the end of the, the end of last year. And when I was going through the photoshopping of each and every single card, I could look at this symbolism much deeper, right? Because when you're working with something, you're you're inspecting mm-hmm. it. And I had to do a one by one. So it took me a couple of weeks to do it. And when I finally was able to do it, I, I had a more more of an appreciation. Now, I know you're not supposed to buy your own tarot deck, but I mean, <laughs> that's come on. I mean, that's I think that's thoughts. hogwash. I think you can buy your own deck. <laughs> oh yeah. Also, I, I also have the the Cthulhu deck that is on the way. I actually got an email today saying Ooh. that they were that in three in three weeks they're going to start shipping out. So I think it's been right. probably a year now since I've been waiting for that deck, which is that's that's a, that's pretty fun. Yeah. So that's really exciting. Um, honestly, I'm jealous as fuck. I'm excited for you to open that thing, and I can't believe you waited. I'm honored. Yeah. Thank you. 
I told you. you. I told me. you I was going to wait. waited for me. Yes. <laughs> of course. Yeah, that's really cool. So, <clears throat> what, what got you into all this? Because some people say, I'm on the fence still about it. I don't know if it is mm -hmm. real. I don't know if it's not. Because essentially, if you're able to... From what from what how it's been explained to me, this is how this is what somebody hinted at one time with astrology, at least that if they're able to there's a key in astrology that you're literally able to tell the future or something like that. Is is that is that true or, or is that also hogwash as, as you Canadians say? Eh? <laughs> well, you can definitely pull out themes and patterns and have a general idea of how certain things will play out there is a specific branch of astrology where you ask a very um to the point question like will i get the job or um if i do this thing how will it turn out and you can cast a chart for that moment and see some themes and some um, some like very specific and detailed things about exactly what's going to happen, which is really freaky. <laughs> it's it's crazy that it actually works. Um, anything from like finding a lost item to um, uh, getting like a, a detailed report about how a very specific important event is going to go. Uh, it's called horary astrology and it's really, it's really trippy, but um, so short answer. Yes. Yes. You can see how, how things will go now. That's where I think you run into problems with ethics. Cause should you be looking at all of, all of uh, the future events all of the time and then there's this interesting thing that'll happen where you can't ask a second question right away you have to wait it'll be the same chart and this is i've run into this problem with cards for sure when you get into this kind of mode of operation where you're more just focused on something that you want for your own ego I just looked up horary astrology. Beautiful. And like, let's say, um, I'm sure if there are any tarot readers or people that even just play around with cards listening right now, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You'll ask a question, you'll get an answer that you don't like, and then you'll keep going back to try and get a different answer. And then <laughs> what I've experienced with the cards is they'll just, it doesn't make sense anymore. Or um, the cards will start trolling me. It'll give me like the worst possible outcome cards instead <laughs> of the honest um, original answer that I got um, and I think that that's kind of spirit just telling you to well, trying to gently tell you to you know back off a little bit and maybe you know check fuck off. check your <laughs> check, check your motives a little bit you know what I mean um, but yeah and and with that I will say that there are so many different possibilities for each thing that you see in the chart that it is a lot more safe to stick to slightly more general kind of predictions because there are so many different possibilities. And there's a lot of times where you'll see something in the chart and nothing actually happens when that transit kind of perfects, um, at least in your personal life. 
it might have <laughs> or almost guaranteed something happened to somebody else, but you don't always see the results of everything that you see happening in the chart. And you can easily drive yourself crazy trying to. So I like to use a bit of caution and, and not, not go too obsessed, too obsessively over something, trying to predict the exact outcome. Um, because at the end of the day, like, there, this comes down to fate and free will, and I really think that there's a bit of both happening at all times. There are certain events that are fated to occur, and they will occur, whether you like it or not. Um, but how you handle those events, right, how you respond to them, that's where the free will comes in. Um, and at the end of the day, I can't predict what you are going to do with your free will. I can predict some of the events that might occur, some of the themes that you're going to face, some of the challenges and strengths that you have some of your tendencies, you know, um, but uh, the the exact outcome is up to you, really, at the end of the day. So I hope I answered your question. Yeah, and have, did I send you the Manly P. Hall movie? You did, you and I loved it. <laughs> oh, you watched it? <laughs> I did. I watched it right away. I was like, oh, what? This is this is the shit um yeah it, <laughs> what a what a fun what a fun movie honestly i had a conversation just the other night so all right so when it comes to astrology most pop astrologers are all about the sun sign right and i i don't know if you went into this at all with um dr longo i believe is this how you pronounce his last name i don't know if you went into that with him but sun sign astrology is the modern western approach where everybody knows your sun sign right like you're a taurus right taurus yeah okay i'm like am i yes. remembering your chart correctly okay good yeah. <laughs> yeah like i'm a taurus you're a taurus right but that's just the position of your sun there's so much more to it than that and your rising sign is way more important than your sun sign anyway um and uh <laughs> but uh, yeah in our in our modern western pop astrology we're all about the sun sign and we've lost a lot of the nuances um that go along with the rest of astrology like your rising sign and the chart ruler and your moon sign and all this other stuff um and uh, the manly p hall video was excellent they did talk a lot about the sun sign astrology in that movie but it was still really fun to watch um and there is a lot to be said about your sun sign too like um if you think of it as it's talking about your ego and how what kind of things bring you vitality because the sun is associated with vitality and life force and energy right um and where you shine the brightest and some of your longer term goals and kind of what you're aspiring to be then there is a lot of accuracy when talking about it from that perspective um, but not everybody identifies with their sun and there's another reason for that another rule that they didn't talk about in the manly video um of uh this this idea in ancient astrology of sect so there's night and there's day sect and this is something that i just started learning about really recently so it's still new to me but it makes a ton of freaking sense if you're born by night or by um, day you play by different rules so if you're born by day you would identify with your sun sign more however if you were born at night like myself your moon sign tends to be more prominent than your sun sign so it's just little things like that that I have been learning about with ancient astrology that are blowing my freaking mind. And um, <laughs> really, uh, they bring out so much more so much more nuance in a chart than just basically 
oh, you're a Taurus, so you must be stubborn and really love to eat food, right? <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you said it was day, sun. When, thing, sun when things get sun stressful, time? I like a sandwich, you know. So or what's the name of it? Which sun sign? Oh, sun sign. Okay, sun sign astrology. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Modern like most Western astrology. Oops most horoscopes that you see in like newspapers and whatnot it's sun sign astrology so they're talking about things from the perspective of your sun so oh you're a taurus therefore stuff Mm. about taurus um but like for example in your chart you're an aries rising so mars is much more important for your chart than Taurus and Venus although they are still important they do still play a role but uh, where your Mars is placed says a lot more about the activities that you tend to do and the areas that you tend to focus on than um, your Taurus sun for example and when you did my reading (laughs) oh I have come so far since then (laughs) I want people to know that I, Kaylee at the time didn't know me. That was, that was kind of probably a bad idea on my part, like letting a person that I don't know do my sign reading. Cause it's like, I don't know if Kaylee's going to do something. I know she wouldn't, but you know what I'm getting at, right? Like it's, it's people can do stuff with your astrological chart. And so you didn't know me and the, the things that you said, during that reading and i don't know if it's gen it's not is it generalized is it the same for everybody where you kind of sort of shoot in the dark and you kind of find what is whatever resonates with you resonates with you because to me you were so on point with so many things and i didn't even know you i had never yeah. talked to you about on my personal life or anything so i'm like there's and no possible way she yeah so because me and kaylee have podcasted before but never one-on-one so the the that you were just so spot on with some things that just kind of blew me away it's kind of freaky actually so now i know if a chick asks you to you know what what time were you born at stay away. definitely run away definitely run away (laughs) (laughs) that still cracks me up oh my gosh um well okay so there Each reading is 100% unique because each person that comes across you is totally unique. Um, so there are, there are like some things that will be the same if I'm talking about two charts that are very similar. Like, for example, two people with the sun in Taurus like us. But based on the time of birth, um, everything in the chart changes. The whole house makeup changes. Um, there's There's... Ah. <laughs> so there are certain things that that are kind of generalized, like um, just the description of the flavors for each sign, right? Like everybody knows what an Aries is. Everybody knows what a Taurus is, that kind of thing. Like that's the same. Um, but where where the ruling planets are changes, what houses they're in changes, what decans of each sign they're in changes, how that influences the makeup of the chart. Like it gets so detailed and nuanced based on the individual in front of you that it's not just general blanket statements for everybody. It's kind of like, okay, 
it's actually as it's a much more scientific approach than <laughs> I'm making it sound like right now. But <laughs> yeah, and yeah, the, the and I mean, is... honestly, Juan, since I've done since I did your reading, I've learned so much more. Oh my gosh, I can't even begin to tell you um, all of the all of the advances that I've made personally in my astrological practice, I would just, uh, it would be a totally different reading. And, mm. But I mean, some of the same information would come out, but it would just be so much more detailed with m more um, precision. Now you know my social security number. Which... No, no, no. I can't find that <laughs> out. <laughs> Does like that make you nervous? <laughs> no, that's, that was, I was like, your home no. address is, no. I'm feeling like it's, uh, uh, so, when it <laughs> the comes to your to, bank account, no, just kidding. Because <laughs> right now I'm, I'm I'm looking at it right now. It says Venus D O M, which I'm guessing that's dominant. Mars D O M dominant, right? And Pluto D O M. We're in we're in domicile probably. Oh, okay. I, well, I'm kind of ignorant when it comes to this. Either way, pretty freaky. Now. How does because right we get conspiratorial on this show because obviously yeah. they they talk about astrology being a pseudoscience you see that everywhere it's a form mm -hmm. of pseudoscience etc cetera, etc cetera. but mm -hmm. the problem with that type of ideology is that ancient cultures ancient civilizations the ancient people themselves relied heavily on the zodiac the stars they were on to something now if that to them was a some sort of belief that they like some egregore that they just held on to and they just kept developing it on and they just would just pass it on just because that's a whole nother deal but when you see that pattern of them relying on it there's probably something to it and manly p hall was the one that i got the the hint from that he talks about because he talks about astral theology and all these things about mm -hmm. how there is a key that if you're able to really dive into the astrology of something, you're able to quite literally tell the future of whatever it is. And that's the big mm -hmm. kahuna or whatever you want to call it. That's the that's the big the big whopper There's something yeah. occulted within this science, even if it's pseudo to some that according to I always pull up Wikipedia because. I just like to show everybody that Wikipedia is the tip of the iceberg. If you want to go mm -hmm. deeper on whatever, because anybody can find Wikipedia. You Google it it's real quick. Boom, boom, boom. Now, if you want to go deeper, then you can do your 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 thing. But I like to show the the exoteric, which is Wikipedia and then the esoteric stuff, because Wikipedia doesn't tell you the cool stuff that you got to dig for no. that. But yeah, the, the this idea that it's it's used in ancient cultures now. Where do the elites stand with this? Because I always quote JP Morgan talking about mm -hmm. millionaires don't use astrology, billionaires do. And I know for a fact that a lot of these elites, though, do cesarean C-sections in order to have people born at a certain time, at a certain day, certain whatever, yeah. in, in order to turn them into a talisman, essentially. Yeah, basically, yeah. So, yeah, there's another branch of astrology. It's called electional astrology, where essentially you look at future dates to see when the most favorable time for doing a certain thing is. Um, and that's that's what they would be using 
So electional astrology, you would use that to find like, okay, what's the most most powerful birth chart this baby could theoretically have, right? And time it around that. Um, but you could also use electional astrology for launching your own business, for getting married, for picking a certain, a good day to ask your boss for a raise, to plan vacations. And yes, exactly. I love the very first line to there to schedule Kaylee battles. To come on the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When's the when's the best time? When I don't feel like a hermit, that's when. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. So one of the books that I have um, that I picked up actually it was it was gifted to me actually by the spiders community. So thank you, thank you, weaving spiders. Um, but it's uh, the astrological works of Theophilus of Edessa, and he was quite literally a battle astrologer. He was an astrologer for a famous caliph, and I'm I forget exactly who. I apologize, but. He was the main astrologer for this guy. And Can um, I as you, they were. Bailey? Yes. It's Theophilus. <laughs> Fuck off. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, because you put me onto this guy. I actually had him pulled up. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So anyway, so the so this this guy, um uh we we have his writings we have his journals essentially his works and he he published them for his son we believe but um essentially they're a collection of how to tell um the timing for when to go into battle when to lay siege and there's even things in there about questions for like will a person successfully escape tyranny um will if the slave revolts or if they run will they escape their master like stuff like that it's really fascinating um but yeah so like <laughs> astrology has literally been used for um everything from if i go into battle right now or if i wait till next week you know when's the best time will i win the battle and um for a guy like that he had to be accurate or they would fucking die okay so <laughs> um and obviously he was accurate enough to lead them through well to assist in leading them through many successful battles um to the point where he left his name in history so literally a battle mage i think that's the most badass thing ever um but <laughs> that, that's me and if you're a Taurus, it's like, no, we'll do it next week. And then next week comes and then you'll be like, no, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it next week, I promise. And then you just keep going because I'm a procrastinator like that. But yeah, this guy, Theophilus of Odessa, I came across him. Actually, it was a weird synchronicity. I'm looking for the book. I was yeah, doing that was some. Cool. Yeah, I think I showed you. I was doing some research on homunculus, actually. And I came across him on some works of Lynn Thorndike and I'm trying to find the it's an like it's the weren't you reading I about think, werewolves that week yes I was because so this Lynn Thorndike guy has written so many different on so many different magical subjects let me look him up real quick I have millions of so a history of magic and experiment is his it's a two-volume series, and he wrote about this Theophilus guy. Let's see. Or actually, I think it might have been on another book, but by Lynn Thorndike, mm -hmm. now that I remember. And it was something magic or something. Anyways, this guy is like an OG in writing about alchemy and everything. He translated a bunch of works 
But he's one of those guys that if he didn't like something, how it sounded, he wouldn't translate it. So mm. think about that. This is like some scholar who is just translating. Where he, He's just researching and doing research and, and compiling information together. And if he didn't like something, if he thought it was too blasphemous or too grotesque, he wasn't going to translate it. Or he would write about it and be like, this is too gross to talk about. I can't talk about this. You know, I'm not going to give it the time of day, which that's typical snarky scholar kind of guy, right? Like, oh, it's too good for me type of thing. But it just yeah. think about that when it comes to your history and how much you've probably been, how, how much has probably been omitted. And I always say his story, right? His, and I'm not trying to say that to be sexist, but his story, it's, it's, or her story, whatever, however you want to say, it's to the victor of the spoils. So whoever wins mm -hmm. is the one that gets to write what happened. And think yep. about all the times that we remember something incorrectly. Oh, now, a lot. Zoom out in the macrocosm and how wrong all these historians must have been since the beginning of time, right? I mean, it just makes you think about that. Yeah. And it, so it makes it makes looking for the origins of anything occult impossible. Like right now I'm actually doing a bit of research into um the first time tarot and astrology were put together and syncretized and the only information I can find is about the Golden Dawn and it's like nebulous at best and like oh my god okay mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's a it's an so, interesting challenge trying to find any kind of truth and historical stuff so astrology and tarot are one and the same is that what they try to get at is that why they made their own tarot um, decks? they are they work together they work together and um so i'll give you a quick example um <clears throat> Obviously, all of the cards have some kind of astrological significa significance, right? Like there's the sun card, the moon card, rolls, it has the Pisces glyph on it and that kind of stuff, right? Um, emperors, Aries, etc. Um, each of the pip cards, so each of the two, three, four, etc. Of, of the four suits, four suits, four elements, each pip card, there's uh, 36 in total and there's 36 decans so each of the 12 signs is divided into three 10 degree segments called decans each pip card can be assigned to a decan and um, this is actually another project that I'm working on that uh, um, we'll be launching um, we wanted to go in March but it'll probably be June or July at the beginning. Yeah, June, probably June with the summer solstice that we're actually launching it. But we're going into each of the decans and going really deep into the astrological and magical and Kabbalistic um, and fixed star associations with each decan. Like we're going really deep. Um, but anyway, so each pip card can be assigned to a decan and it describes some of the themes of that decan. Um, so trying to find the origin of who decided to link these two together and why. Um, so far, the only information I could find is it's the Golden Dawn that did it first. So were they actually the first to do it or were they just the first to publish about it? 
You know what I mean? Mm. And where did they get that information from? Um, and what exactly did they bring together to syncretize to to put this information out to begin with? Some of it's our sources that we do know about and some of it's sources that we don't know about. Right. And that's thus the nature of secret societies. <laughs> we might not never know. And not only that, but I always tell people that magical systems are meant to be modified. They're meant to be used in whichever way you see fit for for yeah. whatever operation that you're doing. And I mean, we're talking about the Golden Dawn, which they were they were doing a whole bunch of stuff and you have Crowley going in there too and switching a whole, a whole bunch of things up. And not only have a breaking away and starting his own thing after the fact. So, of course, it's going to be different. And now I, I think even... Nostradamus was linked in there somewhere too, where they had like some drawings of his. I'm going to look it up here. They had some drawings of his. I think that was linked to the tarot. I don't know. Have you ever heard about mm-hmm. that? Um, No, but I'm glad you're bringing it up because I need to do more research before we launch. So <laughs> let's get into it. Let's go. <laughs> let's see here. The lost tarot drawings. of Nostradamus. Yeah. So apparently. Crazy. Now, we know Nostradamus was like, I remember hearing about him when I was in, I want to say, middle school and high school, How on the History Channel, like, Nostradamus predicted the end of the world, da, 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 this and that. But mm. I'm sure that there are some, because this is linked to Vincent Bridges, a esoteric scholar that I like a lot, and he's passed passed away now but he was an a nostradamus esotericist so Hmm. there was these drawings i'm trying to find them the prophecies of nostradamus or they might have been named after nostradamus and not linked to him had nothing to do with him but Hmm. let me see here prophecies of nostradamus yeah but it just makes you think about all these enigmatic figures in history who have predicted who have made a whole bunch of predictions and now you were talking about mm-hmm. current events and how it's linked to astrology do you yeah. foresee project bluebeam happening or something here <laughs> come soon or what do you what were you getting at by saying that um <clears throat> well coming up in march there are a few uh very large planetary movements occurring in tropical astrology Pluto is changing signs from Capricorn into Aquarius. Aquarius is the sign of like science and networks and all this interesting <laughs> telecommunications type stuff. Um, and uh, uh, I probably should have started with Saturn, but fuck it. Let's go for Pluto first. Um, <laughs> what, what we saw when... So part of making predictions and looking forward is you have to also look backwards at what's happened previously. This is part of the, the just the process of pattern recognition and um, part of the scientific process for going about making predictions in the first place is you need to know what happened previously. So what happened when Saturn crossed over from Capricorn into Aquarius the first time that happened in March 2020? What happened in March 2020? That thing hit, right? Yeah, that thing hit. And all of a sudden, we were censored from speaking about it, censored from 
um, all and you still all, are <laughs> doctors, doctors and scientists for sense. Exactly. That's why we're kind of speaking in code, right? Um, we were stopped from getting into groups. Aquarius is groups and Saturn is restriction. So it's like restricting your ability to even get into groups, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so this is a theme that we saw with a major malefic Saturn going into Aquarius. Now, Aquarius is also rebellion. Aquarius is also, um, well, rebellion. Let's just stick with that for now. <laughs> so <laughs> as Saturn moved into Aquarius, we saw all kinds of stuff happen that summer as well with different um, riots taking place in various cities. For different reasons, right? We had the George Floyd stuff, and you know all all that all that fun stuff that we're going to just gloss over right now because we don't have the time. <laughs> but um, so this is a major kind of like key for Saturn in Aquarius, right? Then Saturn retrograded and then moved back, and as Jupiter came, the Saturn Jupiter conjunction occurred at zero degrees Aquarius again. So boom, another big planetary thing happening at zero Aquarius. When that occurred, we had the um, cowpoke mandate start rolling out. So again, another scientifically themed thing um, beginning right then at that point. So as Pluto comes to move into this degree. Well, Pluto is about power and control, but also rebirth. So I think with the theme of Aquarius being all about science and technology and all that lovely stuff and Pluto being power and control, I think a theme that we're going to see crop up even bigger is um, more of this power and control through scientific means. I mean, they're already hinting at 15-minute cities and climate alarmism stuff. And we're now seeing, uh, I'm sure you've heard about like the all the different flying objects that they're claiming to be out there that they're shooting down. Whose are they? I don't know. I think they're ours. Or it's bullshit. I don't know. So, <laughs> so <laughs> there's there we're already seeing hints of what, could come with Pluto and Aquarius. Um, so that's just a kind of a small kind of black pill version of that. Um, now, on the flip side of this, I will, I feel obligated to say actually that whenever we're looking at a transit like Pluto's um, or any of the planets really, we're looking at um, both sides of the spectrum. So what's the worst case? What's the best case? And like, what is that? What is the the higher purpose of that supposed to be? And with Pluto specifically, it's about taking everything that's corrupt and bringing it to the surface. Everything that needs to be composted, that needs to you know essentially die so it can be reborn, bringing it to the surface. So I think we're going to see a lot of stuff about the medical system in general and elitism as well. Um, Aquarius has this knack for being about two different layers of society, right? The glyph is two waveforms one on top of each other they're separate and parallel so i think we'll also see on the, like the positive side of things i, I think we're going to see a ton of networks being built out that are parallel networks i think we've already begun to see that but i think it's really going to thrive and we might even be forced into a situation where we have to um but again at the end of the day it's about what is corrupt about the sign of Aquarius and the themes of Aquarius and um, th that comes down to like AI and transhumanism and all this super lovely stuff that we're seeing pop up and um, are those things using you or are you using them? 
Um, for example, we're talking over the internet right now, we're using Aquarius theme technology. Um, but are you addicted to your smartphone? Right? Like, are you sucked so far into the metaverse that you'd rather live there than in the real world? I think those are very real, very real pertinent questions that we're going to be answering over the next 20 years. So anyway, Pluto and Aquarius is an interesting and not very fun transit, but I don't think Pluto's ever really fun. It's just kind of, it just, it is what it is. Um, and also in March, Saturn is moving from Aquarius into Pisces. So Saturn has a 27 to 30 year transit. So he won't be back to Aquarius for another 30 years. As he's moving into Pisces, we're moving into your Saturn return. I remember that from your chart. That'll be interesting. Pisces is all about, um, well, it's, it's extremely nebulous. It's about spirituality and life after death and beauty and artistry and healing. But when does healing occur? Only after there's been some kind of injury, right? Um, it's about isolated places. It's about dreamland, illusions, and Saturn. Saturn is the planet of concrete 3D physical reality. It's about boundaries and is moving into a sign that has no boundaries. So when you say Project Bluebeam and what is even real, <laughs> that is something that we're going to be talking about and thinking about for the next two and a half to three years as Saturn is in uh, Pisces. What the fuck is real, right? We're going to have to develop really good boundaries with ourselves, with our psychic space and with our... Um, just our psychic abilities in general and our emotions. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting time for sure. <laughs> um, so some of so, the biggest lessons of Saturn, let me just finish that thought is, well, how do you be more responsible for this area of life and how this will affect everybody? It'll be different on an individual level, right? Everybody has an area of their life that is governed by Pisces um, and by Saturn. <clears throat> But on a global level, it's going to be more about like you need to get really serious and mature with your spirituality. Um, I think we're going to see some interesting stuff come out about um, some of the cult-like mentalities and that we've seen kind of crop up lately. Um, fanaticism is going to be an interesting topic. Saturn can be a dualizing kind of... Um, polarizing energy and Pisces being a dual bodied sign it's two fishes right and the glyph is literally two crescents connected but still two crescents there's this like this idea of two-ness in Pisces two sides to things right or two different things and Saturn tends to crystallize so <laughs> I think we're going to see some really interesting um, splits maybe in people's psyches or maybe even just in um and how people um, think about spirituality, especially as it has to do with beliefs. I think you're going to see a lot of dogmatism come up. Um, I, I think that's actually a really safe prediction to make, considering um, the rise of like dogmatic Christianity we're seeing in North America right now. Um, but other types of religions too, right? Not just Christianity. I think uh, you'll see that with a lot of different spaces. Um but uh, yeah, on, on the positive side of uh, Saturn and Pisces, it's fantastic for like really deep focused study, right? Disciplined study, right? If you think of Pisces as another realm um, and isolation, 
and Saturn is like this old sage, that's like that's the mystic right there. That's the hermit right there. That's um, that's the alchemist right there. That's so deep into his studies that that's the only thing that matters. And it's like, and it's like, no, I really have to be disciplined and um, consistent with what I'm looking at here so that I can discern reality from fantasy, right? That kind of stuff. So two huge planetary movements that really deserve like several hours long lectures each. Um, happening in March and uh, as it relates to specifically aliens and discerning reality I think we're going to have some challenges there for sure and it's funny that you bring up discerning reality because I think that's a theme of this show where I kind of present things and I go well does it or does it not make your nipples hard and I let the audience decide if it does or doesn't and right. one of the things that I've been seeing as of lately is the AI art phenomenon where oh, fuck that shit. <laughs> it's getting so out of hand that you're yeah. start how you're saying starting to question is it real is it because we've always talked about deep fakes for a long time in the community oh that's a deep fake or or when somebody can't remember something correctly oh it's mandela bro you know they switched up they switched it up just for me the whole universe knew and the illuminati lizard people knew and they switched it up just for me it's it's mandela dude so by you saying this is gonna make it harder to discern and and really fine-tuning and that's why it's so important because even some people that I know in the community, they literally, they literally buy anything that is presented to them. Even if you could yeah. clearly tell it's bullshit. And yeah. that's sort of when somebody is, you know, that's a whole other topic. When somebody's in a reality tunnel of some sorts where they want it to be real, which is fine. But I'm a skeptic. You know what I'm saying? I, I like to be realistic. I like to think outside the box, but not so... You know, have an open mind, but not so much that your brain falls out type of thing. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Exactly, yeah. Right, keep, yep. keep it a, a healthy level of skepticism. And this AI art thing, I mean, it's getting good. It's getting really good. And yeah. I don't know where it's going to land because... And another thing is, if they if they were to present us with some sort of evidence to and i'm going to be talking about aliens right they, oh, here's a video of right. bigfoot or aliens or dogman or whatever it is here's the video well people are only going to turn around and be like oh that's fake so yeah. what is evidence to yeah whatever th- that that gray void because there's always going to be those people oh it's fake whatever it is. you're gonna have the the camp that believes it you're going to have the camp that doesn't believe it. And then you're going to have the camp in the center who probably doesn't care and, and is never going to see it. But yeah, we're like, oh, that's it, cool. <laughs> yeah. That, hey, that, that's, you know, I, I, I do believe yep. there are because one of my favorite realms of, of really thinking thought, thought 
experiment is phenomenology where it's real to the experiencer the only real Mm. thing is the experience itself maybe perhaps not the phenomenon that's happening but the experience is real so as long as you're part of that experience it's real and how can you take that away from some right because i've talked to people who oh there's i saw aliens he probably saw he he saw it right he probably saw it i can't take that away from him now I have friends who have shows that they have people tell stories on their shows. And I'm like, man, this person's sounds like they're full of shit. (laughs) But I got to respect that because it's about the experience that makes it real for them. And one thing I've noticed, because you talk about Pluto and you and I have talked about Pluto before. And I'm starting to see a pattern here Mm. where on Pluto, there is the 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 mountain or whatever was the the geographical feature that's named after cthulhu there's like one of the mountains on there now some people think space is fake and gay and that the planets are projections or whatever etc etc some people think that the planet is flat that's fine whatever think what you want to think but just if you're listening right now hold back on that comment about it being flat okay but i came across this book that that Thomas and I covered on the Occult Book Club. And it's A Voyage to the World of Cartesius. And one thing that I noticed was he was talking about, essentially the book is the first time they ever use outer space in the science fiction realm. The first time ever. It was from 1619, I believe it was, and then it was published in 1694. I could have the, I know it was published in 1694 for sure, but I don't know when it was actually written because it was translated. It was translated from French to Latin and then from Latin to English, I believe. I could be wrong. Anyways, we covered it on the Occult Book Club. And one thing, yeah, it's sick. It's really sick because it goes hard. Like it's a book that just, it connected so many dots with me and it's a story. A story. I don't think it's a story. I think it's based on true events. They go to the moon by using something, which you can find out when you listen to the episode. They go to the moon and every single crater that I was able to come up on with the with the moon map or with every single crater is named after a great mind of antiquity. Jack Par- Jack Whiteside Parsons has a crater on the dark side of the moon. And these are people who are living for eternity. Now, I don't know where this stands or what your thoughts on this are, but the idea of using these celestial bodies as some sort of talisman to hold the spirit or the consciousness of these people, because in that book, they visit these places in outer space and they come across essentially schools of these great minds of antiquity that are existing outside the fabric of space and time. And they have their own devotees on that realm. So essentially they break down the different layers of reality. And these elites, most of which have a crater or some sort of celestial geographical thing named after them are in these realms. So hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Are you, do you think that would be possible of, of capturing and using the actual celestial bodies as some sort of talisman? Because if we look at the Picatrix, right, one of the, the infamous Picatrix, that one thing that I've learned about talismanic magic is, or any magic really, essentially, 
is the use of the alignments of the planets or the celestial bodies, whatever you want to refer to it as. And they need to be in a, needs to be done. The, the magical operation needs to be done at a certain time, certain time of the day, certain time of the year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that would be possible to use the actual planet itself or something on that planet? You know, they talk about the monolith on, is it Europa or something? What's that one planet that's got like a monolith on it or something? The face on the face on Mars and all mm. these other crazy things. Do you think that would be possible at all? I mean, just thinking outside the box here. To use the whole planet itself as like an amplification for the talismanic magic or as a focus for the talismanic magic. I don't magic? know. Sounds crazy, right? It does sound a little <laughs> bit crazy. I mean, I'm I'm kind of into it. I'm I'm like I've got some I have I just made friends <laughs> with an astrologer that specializes in elections and talismanic magic. And I'm really curious now because I want to po pose that question to him. Cause the, I don't know. The thing it's was crazy, that, the, that that and book really opened up a whole rabbit, a whole can of worms. Like I sent it to somebody and they're like, bro, you just opened up a whole ass can of worms because <laughs> it just, it's, it's that hardcore where it's like, the implications right now that are happening from this story, if it is true or even partially true, I don't know. Can you imagine how egotistical you'd have to be to be like, the moon is actually mine, that whole crater is mine, and that's my magic. Thank you very much. Like, I don't know. So, so what I what I keep coming back to over and over again with astrology and with tarot and with esoteric subjects in general is this concept of karma and i'm like do i really want to incur that much karma to take that much of a thing and make it mine like it doesn't sound so there's no such thing as free lunch in the universe okay anytime you're doing manipulating anything in order to gain something you're taking it from somewhere my question is always where is it coming from so if you're an elite okay and obviously they're not going to listen to i mean i don't know maybe maybe they got ears on you one i don't know but <laughs> but if you're an, an an elite right and you're doing stuff with talismanic magic making moon children and fucking you know, trying to arrange everything perfectly in your life, you might not pay for it in this lifetime. But when you die, you're paying for it. There will, you will pay for it eventually. Your spirit will pay for it in some fashion. And maybe, maybe stuff will start going wrong in this lifetime. And, you know, all the left hand paths <laughs> you want to take can't correct it. But at the end of the day, you know, there's this the simple rule of thumb of like what you put out comes back to you tenfold. And I always mm -hmm. think about that. And um, yeah, that's just, I guess that's my be responsible with your magic use kids speech for the day. <laughs> I had to get it out of the way. <laughs> so I don't know, man. because one of the things but you're, you're, you you're missing a, like... a very strong point, Kaylee, that okay, I'm ready. you're talking about making homunculus and all that stuff. Well, the reason I'm saying <laughs> even bringing this up is because Part of the grimoires that I've read that involve homunculi, oh, yes. one of the one of the features of a homunculus is that when you're, it's able the, the its sacrifice is able to shift 
celestial bodies. And I think that's also a part of what Crowley and all them were, were hinting at when they were talking about bringing in a new age, right? The age of Aquarius or whatever it is. That I think they were hinting horse. at that. The aeon of horse, literally shifting the celestial bodies because transgression, you do the most horrific, heinous shit in order to make it happen. I mean, I think this is because, and check this out, because I, I think fiction, the realm of fiction is, is so important because I, I'm doing a presentation on the, on the 33rd parallel. And one of the things I came across was this, the telluric currents, right? There are currents that some ancient cultures used to build their entire civilizations. It makes you think, you know, free energy. It makes you think of Nikola Tesla. And in mm -hmm. fiction, back to we keep idea, Wikipedia, shout out to Gabe. The main <laughs> plot of this 1988 novel, Foucault's Pendulum, whatever, by Umberto Eco, revolves around conspiracy theorists who believe that they are searching for the umbilicus mundi, the navel of the world, the mystic center of the earth, which is supposed to be a certain point from where a person can control the energies and shapes of the earth, thus reforming it at will. But hey, it's just a book, right? I mean, these are, these are, it sounds, it sounds wild. Trust me, I know how it sounds. But I think that the realm of fiction is much more real, if that's even how you say it, than our actual reality, right? I mean, look at this. It takes up the Eiffel Tower is a giant antenna. Well, what are they building all these obelisks? And why they stop Tesla from building his towers and the ancient Egyptians with their pyramids, et cetera, et cetera. And we look at these, how I mentioned earlier, the, the similarities between all ancient cultures. Well, there's a similarity with their megalithic structures. And I think it plays a role into not only astrological alignments, which we know that's true. But also, mm -hmm. I think it taps into something much deeper. A lost tech, I guess. I don't know. You think they're trying to reshape the earth? That's alchemy. Alchemy is literally manipulating reality, matter, in order to be able to step outside space and time. That's literally the definition of alchemy. When the magnum opus happens, the flash of light from that magnum opus will literally restructure your DNA and you're able to step outside of space and time and manipulate it from there. And that's what all these guys were trying to do with the homunculus, with whatever else they were trying to do. And the homunculus is just a meat and bones talisman, essentially is mm -hmm. what it is, to augment yeah. their magical abilities. But the Babylon and, and absorb. Yeah, the Babylon working and all these other all yeah. mantra workings, all these. There was essentially the same thing. They were trying to bring forth either tear us, uh, uh, tear the space and time, the fabric of space and time or step outside of reality and become the Demiurge, essentially. Right. Yeah, I guess I just I bring it back. Well, I don't know. Part of me wonders if so like you, I had a very Christian upbringing, right? So my mom was like, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live, no Harry Potter in this house, kind of like, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> so what I automatically go back to in my brain is is that sometimes i'm like okay uh, is that just the devil whispering in your ear to tell you to do these horrible things and damning your soul for eternity you know what i mean like that's that's my automatic first reaction is like no it's not real it's just uh some demons telling you what to do um 
to make you go to the dark side. <laughs> Sound like some some Sith Lord kind of. But I don't know, man. I think it's... Maybe these are excellent questions for your Saturn return with Saturn going into Pisces where you can really contemplate this nature of reality. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just... Should I be scared for that? No, you shouldn't be scared. I think it's good. Uh, no, you shouldn't be scared. Because like everybody always makes it seem like it's something really bad. Like, oh, Saturn return. Damn, bro. It's only bad if you haven't been taking care of business. Buckle, buckle up. Buckle up. Yeah. It's only bad if you haven't been taking care of business. And like that's... So we have a tendency, I think, as humans to just want to lay blame to outside things. Right? Like... Oh, it's Mercury retrograde. That's why my phone broke. Well, no, we're using a phone it's these case. Fucking demons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's all of those people out there that are fucking up. That's why things are going bad. And we, I think, um, astrologers and people that are that are interested in the occult have a tendency to blame things on planets as well. Like, oh, it's Saturn's fault. This is all Saturn's doing. For example, um. But really, at the end of the day, like I was saying with Pluto, um, that energy, that archetype is just bringing something to your awareness that you need to address. And if it's something that you haven't, that you've been putting off, that you haven't been addressing, then it's going to come and be very loud in your face. And that's when things go wrong, right? So with the Saturn return, Saturn's themes are all about responsibility and maturity and discipline and dedication and all of those lovely words. Um, so if there's something that you've been neglecting, right, Saturn's going to bring your awareness to that thing so that you have to take care of it. And with the Saturn return, there's lots of challenges and obstacles that come up, but some people go through their Saturn return and it was like it was nothing. And I think that those people are just paying attention a little bit more to the areas of their life that require a little bit more heavy lifting. Um, but, uh, yeah, for, for, for some people, like, for myself <laughs> my saturn's in my second house which is the house of money um resources uh, values and valuables and i i literally had my income reduced a significant amount and then actually went through some some um some moments where i had to put on my big girl panties and really take care of myself in ways that i've never had to before and uh, it was a, a big maturation process that's ultimately what the saturn return is so it's just about growing up and Putting on your big boy pants. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, stepping, pushing you outside of your comfort zone essentially is what it does. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. But anyway, back back to the the crazy conspiracy topic, which I love. Thank you for bringing it up. I don't. I don't know, man. I think I love these stories and I love thinking about it. But at the end of the day, I don't fucking know. And I don't think that we'll know. We don't, Yeah, we, none of us know. I mean... We'll fuck, we don't fucking know. We and, don't fucking know. And that's why when people are like, oh, well, dude, it's the world's flat. I go, oh, shit, dude. Where have you been my entire life? Like, I should have just... You should have just been my teacher in, in elementary or whatever. Like, nobody knows unless you've been there or experienced it or whatever that thing may be. And... I always wonder what, why is it that no matter how you go about life, you can live your life regularly, 
some aspect of spirituality always comes up. Some something related to something outside essentially our control ties into it all. Right? Why I and I sometimes I'll be driving down the road and be like why are why why are gods real? Why is religion a thing? Why is magic a thing? Why is all the, why is the occult a thing? Why can't mm-hmm. we just live like regular human beings and not have to worry about anything outside? But I do believe that there are layers upon layers upon layers and it might be homunculus all the way down. <laughs> and that's what essentially what reality consists of. Just a whole bunch of little dudes. Just a bunch of little dudes. <laughs> yeah, just a bunch of little dudes. <laughs> Gross. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I get nervous um, contemplating that kind of stuff. I don't know. I think it's... um. Oh, that's my own that's my own shit that I gotta deal with but <laughs> but um I don't know where do I want to go with this so I'm gonna bring up here the the I have this guy pulled up Nostra, Nostradamus pulled oh up you here. found it excellent well I found something I didn't find what I was looking for but it's it's just weird so for some reason I thought he was like Middle Eastern but he was French <laughs> And the Latin, uh, so his name is actually Michael de Nostradame, 16th century, and usually Latinized. So Nostradamus is his Latin name. He was a French Mm -hmm. astrologer, apothecary, physician, and reputed seer who is best known Mm -hmm. for his book, Le Prophetise. So it's a collection of prophecies, essentially. And it, it was in the form of poetry. So let's see here, collection of prophecies by French physician in 1555 and the first edition, three whole centuries, 53. So the the thing that stood out to me was this here. Oh, let me scroll down. Occultism, another visit to Italy. Nostradamus began to move away from medicine and towards the occult. And that's that's some, that's something that you see in in these guys back then. They go from the scientifical approach of things to the occult. If you look at John D, he was another famous astrologer. He was very scientific, super religious man. And then when he had the biggest library in Europe at his time, he's like, "Listen, I've already learned all the knowledge that this mundane world has to offer." I need to step outside and get information from some higher source. And that's the, right. that's the famous Faustian pack, how you're saying, yeah. what if it is, what if it is a little demon or a little homunculus in your, in your ear? Like, Hey, Kaylee, what are you doing? Like, you know, it's like trying to tell yeah. you something. Are you going to yeah. take the bait? Cause like, I'll reveal to you how you're saying your karmic bank. I'll reveal to you all the answers of the universe. Uh, you kind of sort of have to give up your soul. I mean, that's not that's not a big deal. You just give up your soul to me, and, and we'll make it happen, right? And yeah. so, following, so he wrote an almanac too, uh, fifteen fifty for the first time printing. Da, 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 and he was encouraged by the almanac success that he decided to write one more annually. Taken together, they are known to have contained at least six thousand three hundred thirty-eight prophecies as well as at least 11 annual calendars, all of them starting on January 1st, and not as is sometimes opposed in March. It was mainly in response to the almanac, the notability, and the other prominent persons from far away. So asking for horoscopes and psychic advice from him. Like, yeah, he made bank. (laughs) He made bank. 
Wow. Whoa. I want to know what came true from all his prophecies. Wait, go back up. Hold on. I was reading a sentence there. Which one? Go back up. Keep going. A little more. A little more. Okay, though, wait, wait, wait. Right there. It was mainly in response to the blah, 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 blah. Though he generally expected his clients to supply birth charts <laughs> rather than calculating them himself. <laughs> Savage. Savage. Oh, my gosh. Okay, sorry. Keep going. Because that's a lot of work to calculate a birth chart by hand. It is a lot of work. So mm. that means his clients would have had to have go gone for a different... Uh, gone to a different astrologer, paid money for them to cast a chart, and then bring it to him. Like, wow. <laughs> this guy was an OG. Nostromus was a servant of evil. Some people thought Nostromus was a servant of evil and a fake or insane, while many of the elites evidently thought otherwise. And that's the thing, right? Look, a Medici, Catherine mm -hmm. de Medici, wife of King Henry II of France, was one of Nostromus's greatest admirers after reading his almanac for... 1555 which hinted at unnamed threats to the royal family she summoned him to paris to explain them and to draw up horoscopes for her children at the time he feared that he would be beheaded but by the time of his death in 1566 queen catherine had made him counselor and physician in ordinary to her son young king charles the ninth of france i guess right ix wow okay so yeah this guy was on some shit man 6300 prophecies that's a lot that's wild so yeah he and there's some drawings i don't think that the, the ones that i was talking about i don't think that they're his either way still pretty interesting let's see popular claims some nostradamus supporters believe his prophecies are genuine the great fire of london he predicted the great fire of london what, what year was that so 1666, of course. The 6th of September. The French Damn. Revolution, the revolution, the rise of Napoleon and of Adolf Hitler. Wow. That's both wars and the nuclear destruction of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. What? How? Hmm. Let's see where this guy got it. Let's see where this guy got his. Where'd it go? The unknown. That's wild. So it's in this book, the illustrated prophecies. Okay, I'm not gonna read 512 pages, but all right. <laughs> that's crazy. So he, so that that's pretty. That's big. That's what that's yeah. what they're claiming he predicted, not what he actually predicted. That's what we think. No, it happened. Kaylee. Or what I they claimed. It. I believe it. He looks like a cool guy. <laughs> Popular authors frequently <laughs> came that he predicted whatever major event had just happened at the time of each of their books publication, such as the Apollo moon landing in 1969, the space shuttle challenger's disaster, the death of Diana, princess of Wales, September 11. What? Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So who knows? What if this guy, Kaylee, what if, Let's take it a step further. What okay. if he figured out a way to affect reality? Like a death note, right? He wrote wrote it down. It's like, hey, this is going to happen. And then it happens. Or the Occam's... What I like to think about is that the human consciousness has power. 
And I had an occultist tell me that by writing it down, it's being solidified because mm. vowels quite literally hold together reality. Okay. That's again, that's, that's Kabbalah, whatever you want to call it. Like the, 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 the relation between numbers and letters. I think it all goes back to mathematics and that's why daddy Pythagoras said all his number. And yeah, so, yeah. They told exactly. They told me that one in numerology, and when when they when they write it down, it's solidifying whatever that is. But there's also the aspect of hey, if you read this enough times, what about a self fulfilled prophecy where everybody feeds that egregore all together? Like oh shit, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Things like entrainment. And then what is that? <laughs> so entrainment is uh, this interesting phenomenon where the brain will automatically attune itself to certain frequencies, well, to any frequency, any frequency or sound or rhythmic um, thing. <laughs> so when we focus on different mm -hmm. symbols or when we study different topics or when we look at specific things, our be brain becomes entrained to that thing. Um, so watching movies is a, an entrainment um, listening to music is entrainment. Um, any kind of like drumming is entrainment. So, <laughs> what my my question is is, um, like, let's say you just buy a brand new car, right? And it's a it's a it's a special kind that you don't really see around your town very often. But then as soon as you buy it, all of a sudden you see that car <laughs> fucking everywhere. And you're like, wait a minute. I thought nobody else had this freaking Those car. fucking demons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like, were, were those cars actually there the whole time? Or are you just able to see it now because you've been entrained to mm -hmm. that thing? Right. So this is kind of what I go back to a lot is, well, one of the things I go back to think is thinking about this. It's like, okay, if I'm looking at the astrology really deeply and I'm looking at the symbolism and I'm trying to pick out what kinds of events are going on and then I go and look at the news, am I just picking out those things that match the themes because I've been entrained to see those themes? Mm -hmm. Or is it actually happening more often because of the astrology that's taking place? Like, I don't I don't fucking know. I don't know the answer. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, that make that makes it hard to approach this stuff with like a scientific mind because uh yeah. you know, just just by the nature of us studying a thing really deeply, you become we're it. If you stare into training the, with it. If you stare into the abyss long enough, the abyss stares into you. If you investigate yeah, monsters uh, long enough, you become a monster. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a, that kind of thing. That kind of thing. Wow. So I don't know. Kaylee. I think you can really drive yourself crazy looking into s certain types of rabbit holes. And I think it's really important that we practice um, discernment about mm -hmm. how much time and energy we spend on certain rabbit holes and in certain <laughs> areas of study. And I think that is going to be also another important topic for um, Saturn and Pisces is how much time Saturn are we dedicating to alternate realities, Pisces. Mm. Um and different um, ways of thinking. Uh, and also, like, let's not forget, real quick, just side note, Pisces is about artistry as well. And I mean, are you going to let the AI build art for you or are you going to go and put your hands in, onto the clay yourself? Like, I love that. Be careful how much time you spend in holes. 
I mean, that, that's essentially what <laughs> any holes, <laughs> any holes, any hole can be bad. So I, I wanted to. Yeah, I love that. That's really beautiful. But and, and the when like you perk me up when you go, oh, you know, shifting of realities and how much time and different portals, like anything like that, just really like, oh, and I wanted to open this while we were here. Yes. You want, you wanna... Speaking of time and portals. Fuck yeah. Let's do it. All right. So <laughs> this is a. So replica. for every for everybody listening and watching, okay, Juan doesn't even believe in this shit, all right, yet he has his first tarot deck. So this is Some momentous. ASMR. You you are witnessing history at the moment, okay, friends? <laughs> I'm going to give a Juan good sniff. Juan opening his first tarot deck. Does it smell like paper? I love paper. The outside actually <laughs> doesn't smell, smell like, like plastic. No. Boo. Mooring. So this is a replica right. from the okay. original deck. Of 1929, so this is the. It's got a really beautiful slip cover with that golden foil there, and it's got a sticker like the original. Right, the original deck is like 700 bucks, and that's why I didn't get one because I'm like, and even then, I was hesitant to get this one. Yeah. So it's got a little slip case there, and then it's got the little look how cute this little book is, an essay on Aww. the book of Thoth. So prepared to accompany a special deck of the tarot cards in four colors by J. Augustus Snapman. This guy was pretty, pretty OG. That is and the most so, badass tarot booklet that's ever come with a tarot deck ever. Hell yeah. Look how tiny that is. I'm going to need a magnifying glass to read this. I think I might actually have this essay already, this, this book somewhere. But don't mind my cuticles. I chew on my cuticles like crazy. It's my anxiety. <laughs> So, got this little booklet, which is pretty cute. And here's the deck. So, they are straight cut, like the original. Straight cut. Ooh. No and they're not, corners. they're not like a, a big tarot deck. It's it's standard size. It's mini. Oh. Okay, so these look pretty good. Are they glossy? No, they are matte. So, let's see mm. if we can get it to focus so i don't know they're like kind of they're like kind of semi-gloss i guess i don't know how you you see they're, they're not, like they're not too shiny yeah no that's nice that's so, nice so we have the fool here you have the can you help me here kaylee because i'm a magician it's <laughs> a magician that's okay that's the high priestess oh she's beautiful look at that Wow, that's the Empress. So I'm going to say right now, I think this looks a lot better than the one that I printed up. That's the Emperor? Yeah. Badass. That's sick. That's so cool. Ooh, and the Hierophant with a Pope. Le Pep. And then it goes right into, oh yeah, no, there's the Lovers. That's cool. Yeah, the Lovers card. The Chariot, my the favorite. Chari Badass. It's a woman, I think. Or oh, they, them, okay. I can't assume. This deck's got justice as card eight. Okay. And the hermit. That's you. Badass. Hermit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so elusive and hard to get a hold of. There's the wheel. That's cool. And then uh, what do they call it in this one? Strength. Okay. La Force. Yeah. And then the hangman. 
Very cool. And then there's death. La Mort. Badass. Temperance. Beautiful. And then the Satan. devil. <laughs> That's actually my card. And then the tower. <laughs> 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 and then the star, very cool. Uh, a little mood. crab, the do the dogs. Nice. And then the sun. Somebody told me it was a homunculus in this one. No, not this one. La whatever. Soleil. Mm. And then judgment. Right. And then the world. So what were you Sweet. saying about the uh, the eleven cards? So that yeah, the rest are. Yeah, this is a really beautiful yeah, deck so actually. It is a beautiful deck. Um. Yeah, so the 11 and the 8 in the Major Arcana in uh, the Marseille deck, they're in that order where Justice is 8 and Strength is 11. Um, and then the Golden Dawn um, swapped 8 and 11. I think actually it might have been Crowley that swapped 8 and 11. I don't know exactly who. I'm going to have to do more research to figure out who exactly, but they swapped 8 and 11 so that um, Strength was 8 and Justice was 11. Um, and if you're going in astrological order, it makes more sense for Leo, which is strength, to be in the 11 or in the 8 position rather than the 11 position, and for Libra or Justice to be in the 11 position. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird swap, and uh, the right away deck has it in that order. Um, the uh, Hermetic deck from the Golden Dawn. My first deck that I learned on has it in that order. The uh, the uh, the Thoth Tarot Crowley's deck has it in that order, and yeah. So it's interesting that Manly. It's interesting that Manly Manly's deck has it in uh, the original order. I'd be curious to see what he's um, what he says about that. Well, I'll I'll see if I have the this booklet. I'm pretty sure I have it, and the essay. And I'll send it to you so you can read it. But I'm going to draw a card. Sweet. See what the cards are yeah. trying to tell us before we get the fuck you out of here. Draw a card. Draw a card. I'm shuffling draw a it card. up. Hey, want to come on my show tonight? Draw a card. <laughs> I have another show after this. Unfortunately. Boo. Boo. Okay. But I'll go on. I don't know if I can go on next week. I'll let you know. I'll, I'll, I'll write to you. Okay. Next next week will be the Pisces Ingress show and New Moon show. So it'll be what? fun. Oh. <laughs> so next week we'll be talking about the New Moon in Pisces. Mm, sure. The Pisces season. I I trust you. Here we go. Ready? Okay. Ready? See what the cards are trying to tell us, Kaylee, before I get out oh, of here. What is it? <laughs> oh, one flew out. I got to take the one that flew out. Ready? I got to take the one that flew out. It flew out right at me. My palms are sweaty. Let's go. Here it goes. What does this mean? Is oh, that it's the upside ace down. That's the ace of no, it's the ace of pentacles. That's badass. Oh, that's cool, actually. Okay, that's really badass. So the aces represent the seed, the new beginning of that element. Pentacles is always something physical. So it could be like a new business relationship or you know like oh, this is a our first one-on-one -on -one podcast so that's kind of cool symbolism as well because it's like oh the beginning of a a potentially good business relationship or something like that i don't know i don't know <laughs> i'm pulling i'm pulling it out of my ass here but but seriously aces is the beginning of something and um pentacles is always something physical so that's kind of cool oh so yeah. are we gonna get money I don't know. That'd be pretty badass. Maybe, I don't know, maybe somebody wants to book a reading with me after this. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. yeah so hit up Kaylee for <laughs> any happen. readings. 
<laughs> she did mine. And this is so I'll be honest, I bought three of these decks because man, I don't know when they were gonna <laughs> don't know when they were gonna print them again. So if oh they go up in value, I have three and that's an interesting that investment that you've made. That's an ace of pentacles kind of thing. It hasn't yeah, grown in value yet, but it might. After I, this is one of the biggest shows on the internet, right? This is one of the biggest podcasts ever. So by me just holding, I'll sign it for anybody who wants to buy it. Yeah. And, and yeah. So for those that want a reading, a creepy reading of how accurate. <laughs> and I know I, at least one, one other listener of the show, I know I got a reading from you. I don't know if anybody else has yeah. hit you up, but yeah, it's, it just kind of freaked me out. Cause I was like, I don't even know this girl. And she's like pulling all this stuff. That's too too accurate i don't know so a <laughs> part of me wants to believe and i told some people that today in my chat for my premiere that i was going to be doing an episode today on astrology and they're like are you getting into astrology and i'm like i still think it's gay and fake but <laughs> and i'm here to learn right we're here to have interesting conversations and yeah. hopefully this was fun for people i, yeah, I learned a I lot and yeah it was great I think it'll be really interesting for you now. So March 7th, okay? I want you to keep this date in mind. March 7th is when Saturn moves into Pisces. I want you to watch and kind of like just observe what's going on around you and how the conversation shifts in your chats and how, you know, maybe even some of the guests that you bring on might start suddenly change in some way or like, you know, you'll see some different world events. I'm just just keep in mind the themes of Pisces and the themes of Saturn and, and observe, right? Because this is actually how you learn astrology the best is through observation. So. Interesting. So if my wife starts treating me differently, I know it's Saturn's fault. <laughs> blame it on Saturn. <laughs> Fucking Saturn. <laughs> Just blame it on Saturn. <laughs> Yikes. Oh my gosh. Well, no. Kaylee. Don't, don't blame it on Saturn. We're Can't not, give you love, we're not gonna love. blame it on Saturn. I remember one time okay. she was complaining about <laughs> how women have to suffer during birth and they get periods and all this stuff. I'm like, yo, if your girl Eve wouldn't have eaten the forbidden fruit, we wouldn't have <laughs> been here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We were kicked we were in the Garden of Eden. We had it good until your girl. <laughs> <laughs> You're starting to sound like Michael Sarian. Stop it. Oh, man. <laughs> I love that, man. Shout out to Michael. Oh, seriously. Yeah, this stuff is awesome. <laughs> Kaylee, this was great. You're a ball of energy. I love talking to you. I love watching you. I'll sometimes put on your stream and, and you know, you have a great stream. So where can people find you? And if they want a reading, where can they go? And hopefully once I get my Cthulhu, I'll let you know if I can jump on tonight. If, if I can get my Cthulhu deck here sometimes, we'll definitely do one. Because I think that's a sick deck, right, Cthulhu? And I hope it comes before Halloween. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely before Halloween. Yes, I think so. I think so. We have to have faith. We have to manifest it. But where can people find you if they want a reading or they want to bullshit with you or get a hold of you? So best place right now is you can email me, KayleeBricana at PM.me. And again, Kaylee spelled K-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H. 
Berkana is B-E-R-K-A-N-A at PM.me. That's the best way. Um, my website will be launching officially very, very soon here. I bought the domain, so I'm really excited about that. I'm going to have a professional page and shit. But anyway, for now, you can just email me and I'll send you a link to my calendar and we can go from there. Um, and yeah, like I said, I'm on, I'm on YouTube uh, and Odyssey um, and Rumble, actually. All is Kay- Kaylee Bracana, so come, come find me. Awesome, and I'll post the links in the description. Go show her channel some love. And Kaylee, thank you so much. I know you're a busy celebrity, and I know you're avoiding me, but you can run, <laughs> but you can't hide. So thank you so much. This was fun, and we'll have to do it again soon. I, I appreciate you, Juan. Thank you. It's been an honor. Pieces to the gold and no missteps. I'm here to break down all your idols, ritualistic. If you don't like it, I don't speak in euphemistic terms. The world is run by Charles Montgomery Burns. They keeping it hooded like CERN. They've done it in thirds before the earth was occurred. And all the friction I'm getting is warranted when your chambers don't echo. The insurance needed for what I be saying don't come from progressive or geckos. And why are you popping Prosecco? If you ain't putting in labor, I'm taking shots of espresso. Every second I favor more than the last. We never get a return on time lost. Look the divine laws, but people looking to rap it like tacos with lime sauce. Hey, I never cared too much what they saying. Matter of fact, what I'm saying, I ain't here to explain it on the levels all they see, but they don't see my creator campaign of politicians for your souls. No debate, but top of the next, I'm calling them Benedict. Arnold, I got me a chopper. Most of our collars are blue, most of us can't even afford one. Lining up for new iPhones and Jordans. It ain't our blessings, and we praying for misfortunes. On others, on our Just feeling so important I'm breaking you down Ain't here to make you feel comfortable Just about the opposite sex While creating the monster's hotness These hills we create for ourselves Timelines are nothing but cells Shadows dancing that came from our masters Fires closing in behind us It don't matter We'll be dancing to the flicker Hear the laughter We just think that it's normal in the pasture
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 